Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. I'm your host, Tom Kearns, and welcome to the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, episode 29, Cadwalla, the King from the Forest. Upon the abdication of Kentwina in 685, the Gawissa were thrown into chaos. From the forests on their eastern frontier came news of an exiled nobleman massing an army to press his claim to the throne. He had already cut his teeth on the South Saxons by driving out their king and facing a revolt by his nobles. But now he was looking to return home to seize the opportunity of an empty throne. His name was Cadwalla, and though he would reign for only three years, they would be some of the most transformative years in the history of Wessex. But that transformation would be a bloody one and would draw the people of the Southwest into the violent contest that was Anglo-Saxon power politics, thereby remaking them, and eventually remaking England as a whole. But who was this Cadwalla? Bede says he was from a noble family, and lived for about 30 years, so he was born probably around 658. Regnalists have him as a descendant of Caolin, but we've already seen how much the compilers of those lists attempted to fit West Saxon history into an unbroken line of descent from Surditch, so we must be wary. Bede says only that he was a member of the Gawisson royal house. His name, as I've mentioned before, is some indication of his, at least, ethnic background. Cadwalla is an anglicised form of the Britonic name Cadwaslon, meaning that he probably had some British ancestry. As I discussed in the first episode on the Gawissa, this wasn't exactly unusual. In fact, most of the early kings of the Gawissa have anglicised Britonic names. Thus, Cadwalla having such a name doesn't necessarily disqualify him from being Gawissan nobility. In fact, depending on how widespread intermixing was between the Saxons and the Britons in this area, it may support the idea that he was from a noble house, which had at some point married with local British nobility. Another part of Cadwalla's life that is open to some controversy are his religious beliefs. The different sources for his life agree that he wasn't baptised until his death in 688. The evidence doesn't say that he was pagan, though. On the contrary, the image emerges of a man deeply concerned with the church. Wilfred, the troublesome Northumbrian bishop discussed in the episodes on Oswiu, Edgefrith and Aldfrith, was a close spiritual advisor of Cadwalla from the time of his first conquest of Sussex. As king, Cadwalla was a patron of churches and founder of monasteries, as any good Christian king would be. So then why wasn't he baptised until his death? Well, especially during the missionary period, it wasn't uncommon for men to hedge their bets in a way, 
by holding off baptism until they were on their deathbeds. This way their sins could be forgiven when they knew they wouldn't be able to commit any more. The preference of child baptism was ancient by this time, but in missionary societies, where there was no shortage of unbaptized adults, a pragmatic attitude to baptism isn't unusual. As has been a recurring theme throughout this series, nobles in exile, much like soldiers in foxholes, tend to find God pretty quickly. Depending on his background, this may well have been the case with Cadwalla, although we don't have any records of him staying with Christian kings. Plus, by this time, the Gwissa had been converted to Christianity, and seemed to have survived the rocky period immediately after a conversion, when pagan backsliding was a distinct possibility. So while Cadwalla may have been pagan at this time, it's also entirely possible that he was in fact Christian, albeit an unbaptized one. Given the attitudes to baptism which dominate in a missionary society, he may have opted to remain unbaptized so as to ensure that he would die with his sins forgiven. And judging by his activity from 685 to his death in 688, he certainly had quite a few sins to forgive. One of our main sources for the life of Cadwalla is the saint's life of the Bishop Wilfred, who served as something of Cadwalla's spiritual advisor during his reign. In this life, we find our first references to Cadwalla. There he's described as an exiled noble, living with his warriors in the forests of the Chiltern and the Weald, on the border between Gawissa and the smaller kingdoms of Sussex, Surrey, and Jutish Hampshire. During his exile, he seems to have massed support, and in 685, according to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, he began to contend for the kingdom. Note, it doesn't necessarily say that he became king in 685, only that he began to struggle for the kingship of the Gawissa. His first move was to invade the kingdom of Sussex with his troops, and to kill the South Saxon king, Athelwale. He ruled Sussex seemingly for a few months, before being expelled by a revolt of the Ealdormen. After this, Cadwalla was able to take the throne of the Gawissa. Kent Wiener had abdicated in 685, and this seems to have left a power vacuum into which Cadwalla was able to insert himself, probably on the back of his military success in Sussex. Bede says that he overthrew the underkings who had ruled since the time of Kenwayal, but as discussed in the last episode, this is probably a reflection of the propaganda put about by Cadwalla's successor and Bede's near-contemporary Ina, rather than the actual reality of the situation. In truth, we don't actually know how Cadwalla came to be on the throne of Gawissa. Given his treatment of Sussex, it's tempting to imagine that he took the throne by force, but if he did, it's not recorded, beyond the Chronicle's enigmatic claim that he began to, quote, contend for the kingdom, end quote. But the Chronicle is heavily based on Bede, and so the claim that he began to contend for the kingdom may well be a reference to Bede's claim that he overthrew the sub-kings. Therefore, we can't actually say anything about how Cadwalla became king of Gawissa, only that by the end of 685, he was indeed king of Gawissa. Once in this position, and with the might of the Gawissa at his disposal, Cadwalla turned his eyes again to Sussex, where he killed the elderman who had expelled him, and reduced the South Saxons to a state of servitude. He didn't stop at Sussex either. Cadwalla wanted to bring all of the Saxon and Jutish peoples south of the Thames under his rule. To that end, he also invaded the Isle of Wight, and we're told that he killed all the male members of the royal house, but not before allowing them, or possibly forcing them, to be baptised. 
since the Isle of Wight was still resolutely pagan at this time. And he then engaged in an unsuccessful attempt at ethnic cleansing, where he tried to exterminate the native Jutish population and replace it with Gawissans. We know that it was unsuccessful, partly because Bede says that in his own day, the population of the Isle of Wight still remained mostly Jutish. He also invaded Kent, and in 686, he set up his brother Mull as a king there. When Mull was burned to death by the Kentish people in a revolt the next year, Cadwalla then invaded again, and seems to have ruled Kent directly thereafter. Finally, in 688, he also issued a grant of land at Farnham in Surrey, indicating that he directly controlled that kingdom also. Thus, in the space of just a few years, Cadwalla had successfully imposed his overlordship of all the peoples south of the River Thames. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, we have this superb podcast called We Didn't Start the Fire, the only podcast started by Billy Joel. It is the most original, fascinating, and random way to learn the story of the 20th century. Oh, pretty darned random. And we are joined by some pretty incredible guests. I only wrote stuff that I wanted to hear. If it turned out to be a hit, it was pure dumb luck. With me, Katie Puckrick. And me, Tom Fordyce. This is We Didn't Start the Fire, the only podcast started by me, Billy Joel. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons over at Patreon. Janet Kearns, Jennifer Ross, Ramon Rodriguez, Patricia Scott, Wilfrith, Bruce Goodmanson, Adam Getzendana, George, Brandon Johnson, Flynn Hartwick, Holly Sinclair, Dante, Cathan, Catherine Robertson, Grace M. Teresa, and Che Christian Padron. Thank you for your support. It is all greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to be thanked as well, then you can be by going over to the show's Patreon and supporting us for $3, $5, or $10 a month, which will give you access to various things like, obviously, the shout-outs, the weekly bonus series that we're doing now, and more to come in the future. Other ways you can support us is by leaving a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using, by leaving a review, which helps to boost the show through the algorithm. Um, you can also subscribe follow us, leave likes or hearts or whatever it is on whatever platform you use. Anything you can do helps to boost the show in the algorithm of these various sites, and it's all extremely helpful. And now, back to the show. Through his conquests, Cadwalla expanded Gawissa all the way to the eastern tip of Kent. 
This was a level of power that no Gawisan king had previously wielded. Yet despite this, Cadwalla abdicated after just three years to go on pilgrimage to Rome. Why has been the subject of debate? Possibly Wilfrid, who had been Cadwalla's spiritual advisor since his first conquest of Sussex, and who, if you'll recall, was a major partisan of Rome. Possibly he encouraged Cadwalla to seek baptism at the hand of the Pope. Something that may have helped make him more open to the idea is a wound that Bede tells us he received in the conquest of White, which may have been so serious that Cadwalla knew he didn't have long to live. Indeed, Cadwalla died in Rome in 689, not long after travelling there, which may support the idea that he went on pilgrimage because he knew that he was dying. For its brevity, though, Cadwalla's reign marks a definite reorientation in Gawisson foreign policy. Previously, Gawisson expansion had come mainly at the expense of the Britons to the west, but now they turn their eyes onto their Germanic neighbours to the south and east. Prior to this, although they may have paid tribute to the Gawissa, these people had not been the targets of conquest of the kind Cadwalla unleashed on them. But why did he initiate this expansion? The most likely answer is that it was part of a move to secure Gawissa against Mercian expansion. In the last episode, I mentioned that this was probably responsible for the movement of the Gawisson royal focus out of the Upper Thames Valley to Winchester, as growing Mercian strength put the Upper Thames firmly in the Mercian sphere of influence. In the case of Cadwalla, his first conquest of Sussex may be linked to the alliance that we know existed between King Wulfhera of Mercia and the King Athelwale of Sussex. It was Wulfhera who sponsored Athelwale's baptism, and he even gifted him the Isle of Wight and southern Hampshire to rule as overlord. It seems then that the South Saxons were firmly in Mercia's pocket, and thus they were a threat to the Gawissa. This is probably why Cadwalla was so eager to remove Athelwale. Similar logic probably motivated his expansion elsewhere east of the Gawissa. His aim was probably to use the natural barrier of the Thames to create a Gawisson overlordship in the south of England, meant to rival that being built by the Mercians in the Midlands. It's hard not to see his expansion as a success. Indeed, it was such a success that it inspired the Gawissa to change their identity. Although they would always be Gawissa, if you remember Bede said that Gawissa and West Saxon were interchangeable, it was from Cadwalla's reign on that they began to self-identify as West Saxons, and their kingdom can first be actually called Wessex, a fact which reflected their more multi-ethnic makeup. But this new identity was not born from any grand vision of Saxon unity, rather it was the product of tactical manoeuvring and the full entry of the Gawissa into the world of Anglo-Saxon international politics. By becoming West Saxons, Cadwalla and the Gawissa established themselves within a larger web of Anglo-Saxon and Jutish polities. Prior to this time, their eastern borders were hazy, their main focus being the Britons to the west, but now they were staking claim in the east also, establishing borders and forging diplomatic bonds with other Germanic groups. To some extent they had already been doing this, for example the reigns of Kinegils and Kenweal, but under Cadwalla, this became a more central aim of their foreign policy, as they sought to become a major player in Anglo-Saxon politics in their own right, rather than just a pawn in the games of the Northumbrians and the Mercians. Although he didn't live to see it, Cadwalla changed the Gawissa, and along with them, he planted the seed that would one day become the Kingdom of England. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. Once again, I've been your host, Tom Kearns, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode when we look at the reign of King Ina, the man who really built upon Cadwalla's legacy. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.